everybody. Welcome back to Challenge Call with Max and Avery. I'm your host, Max. And I am Avery. How are you guys? All right. We are going to be recapping a awesome little bowl season right now. So we had some exciting games happen. We're going to talk about Avery. How are you doing on this Wednesday night? Oh, man, I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, back in the office. Got got a lot of things done today. So I'm, I'm feeling good, feeling productive, and I'm ready to roll. There you go. Um, started student teaching today, so uh, official now. I'm like going to like prior, it was like practicums where it's like two hours a day, three hours a day. And I did like a full like seven, not even a full day. And like by the end of it, I was like, I'm exhausted. I'm ready to go home. Um, but yeah, it was good though. It was good being, you know, finally feeling like I'm one step away from like actually being a teacher. So that's nice. Yeah, yeah. you're you're on that official last little next year. Next year, you'll be teaching. Next year. Probably in the summer, to be honest. Like, if I can get hired and someone's like, do you want to teach summer school? I'm going to be like, yep, sign me up. <laughs> That's probably, like, my mindset because I do not want to work where I work right now. <laughs> Fair enough. Get started as soon as you can. But that being said, we will roll into our – uh, topics we got going on today. We're going straight into our bowl games, starting off with the unfortunate loss uh, Iowa put up against Tennessee. Tennessee won it 35-0. to zero. Iowa's offense is bad, but that game was something else. Yeah, that game was awful. Like, at the end of the day, it, like, it was like, why did we even show up? Well, we didn't. We didn't show up. Like, that's the real, like, that's the point of it. Our defense didn't even show up. Then we were facing a freshman quarterback. And uh, I don't even know the Tennessee quarterback's name. It's hard to pronounce, but he looked good for a freshman. He did look like, good. He, he looked really good. I mean, he was a four four star recruit, wasn't he? Like coming out of high mm-hmm. school. So yeah, he um, he looked really good. Obviously, you know, we were missing Cooper Gene like we have been all season and stuff too, so that doesn't help. Uh, I forget, I think we we just had a few transfers. I don't think we had any true, true like opt-outs for the NFL. But, yeah, that hurt. But speaking of freshman quarterbacks, we also saw a little bit of our own freshman quarterback action at the very end of the game there, late in the fourth quarter. Uh, Marco Linez went in, and um, I love Marco. I, like he's, he's one of those guys like from the summer that he's, he's got a really good attitude. He's a really good guy, and I think he's going to be absolutely great for the program if he hopefully stays in Iowa for his, his full term. For sure. Yeah. I, uh, so I'm not going to lie. I turned this game off at 21 to zero. I was frustrated like going out, we would go down 21 to zero. What was that? Like just the start of the third quarter. Yeah. I was was... Like, this is embarrassing. And I didn't watch much of the third. And then you told me, Hey, we benched Deacon Hill. I'm like, all right, let me throw it on a little bit and threw it on. He didn't look bad. He was very inaccurate, but he's also a freshman. So, he's, so that makes 100%. He's a, it, it, like he's a freshman, and he just got thrown into a game. Like, literally, just, like, was not had not played a single snap all season long. You know, this is the very, very first chance he's getting to, like, hey, like, you're you're going to play a game against a ranked opponent yeah. against, uh, with nothing else to say against a ranked opponent. And sure, yeah, he didn't throw, like, a ton in general. I'm sure they avoided calling too many passes because they had a freshman in who was taking his first snap of the season. 
but man, what he did with his feet, like his scrambling was absolutely ridiculous. You know who he reminded me of? And you're going to call me crazy, but a very, very unpolished version of Mitch Trubisky. Like a hundred percent. I mean, I, I mean, no, like I'm not saying Mitch was the number two pick in the draft. People forget this. Mitch was number two pick. He had a good career in UNC, but that's kind of who he reminded me of. Like he could move like, and Mitch could move to a certain extent. And that's kind of what Marco reminded me. He didn't have like the Justin Fields or Lamar Jackson speed getting out of the pocket, but he was elusive. And that was like something I really enjoyed seeing. I'm like, okay. like uh, similar glimpses of Mitch Trubisky back there. Um, But who knows, man, I came away from this game wondering if Kirk Ferentz is done. He's not. Kirk is not done. He's got, he's got, but no, listen, he's got like, I forget how many more games. He's super, super close to setting like an all-time college record for like games one or something like that. So like, there's no way he's done before he breaks. Well, and, and I'm not saying done physically. I'm saying done, not emotionally, but like he's past his prime. Like the Iowa Hawkeyes, I think what I'm saying, what I'm trying to get to is I think the Iowa Hawkeyes window, if we even had a window, is officially shut. If that makes sense, I don't think we are going to be a top four ten, uh, top four team in the Big Ten or top five team in the Big Ten anymore. I think we are moving into a direction where we are going to be middle of the pack to maybe below average team. I don't think we're eight win Iowa anymore. Well, I, yeah, but I think that has a lot less to do with Iowa themselves and a lot more to do with the fact that we're bringing in Washington. Oregon, who absolutely beat the fuck out of Liberty in their bowl game. And USC, who, like... UCLA. Well, yeah, and UCLA. But, like, those are the three in my head that are, like, the high-level competition that we just brought into. So, like, sure, Iowa is going to be on a bit of a decline, kind of struggling, like, identity-wise, losing Brian, and Kirk's going to be gone in a few more years, I'm sure. But, I mean we were going to fall off the cliff a little bit anyway. Like, look at what the Big Ten is turning into. <laughs> right, which I'm not saying, like, a little bit. I'm saying I don't really believe in this team to win six games next year. Like, if they come out and they show what they showed against Tennessee, granted, it's a bowl game, and you really can't take a bowl game for anything nowadays. But at the same time, like, I think, what I see is the rest of the Big Ten West getting better. They eliminated the divisions anyways in the Big Ten. So, like, it's the top two teams in the Big Ten. We have Ohio State, Washington, and Oregon on our schedule next week or next year. That's three losses. I don't know if we're going to beat Iowa State. And I'm actually terrified to play Nebraska. And so that's five games right there that I'm like, those could all be losses, and that puts us at, what, 7-5? and five? And one of those Wisconsin or Minnesota games flipped the other direction. We're looking at a 6-7 and seven year. Or a, sure. And that's that's where I'm saying. I'm saying we're not going to be this 8-10 to 10 win team. I know you're saying we're going to drop off a little bit, but I think it's going to be a bigger well, drop off okay. than anybody. You, you're saying 7. I, I get what you're saying, but, like, Six, winning six games, if we go five and five or something, that yeah, that's a little bit of a drop off. 
that's not like a major huge like from winning you're, you're saying this year to go into five five and seven and missing a bowl game would be a massive drop off in one year i'm i'm thinking long term i'm still and that's what i'm like thinking. Think i about, so think see, about we, we are saying the same thing no listen to me we are saying essentially the same thing but like when i say yeah we're gonna drop off a little bit like like yeah we could go five and five we could have a losing record like yeah we dropped off a little bit like it happens it's college football you're saying it like it's that's the end of the world like we're gonna be zero and ten next year like when you say we're gonna majorly drop off in my head like you're saying we might struggle to win a single game that's what a major drop off is to me and i'm talking more in the grand scheme of things i'm talking for the next five years i don't see iowa touching nine games which, because the, yeah, might not which happen. We might not. It yeah, might not because happen. if you think about it, like we haven't been a player in the transfer portal at all. We haven't got any players committed. Our, I think our recruiting. I don't know. You'll have to fact check me, but we're not in the top twenty-five for recruiting in twenty twenty-four or twenty twenty-five. It's scary. It's scary times in Iowa, and it starts from the top. And I love Kirk, and I love what he's done for Iowa. And yeah, I think he will stay next year because I think the record you're talking about is all time uh, wins in NCAA or not in NCAA, but something. And he was like two games away or something. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think we might have Kirk next year, but I think at the same time, we got to start considering that we're going to have a couple of rough years uh, and oh, a couple, sure. I mean, three to four rough years. potentially more than that like i mean there we're gonna we're gonna struggle it's gonna be a long process yeah. depending on who comes in as our head coach and what they do with the prairie and blah 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 whatever but like yeah no it's i was i'm pretty sure we've talked about this before i didn't need to watch iowa tennessee to know that we were going to drop off significantly like we've talked about this before with the way the conferences right. are moving, with the additions that we're making to the Big Ten, with how bad the Big Ten West is in the first place, like we've had this discussion. Like Tennessee didn't open my eyes to anything. We knew we were dropping off the cliff. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm not very high on Iowa. Like if it was a stock, like it's crashing. Like yeah. Iowa stock was crashing right before the Big Ten game. You could have sold it. Or even like right after the Nebraska game, you could have sold it high. But right now we're in free fall. And that's kind of where I'm looking at it as Iowa fan. Sure. But I mean, I feel like you're taking a very, very big reaction to this like Tennessee loss. Like it's the end of the world when like everything you're saying, like we knew for a while. And not to mention like in this Tennessee loss, what have we said all fucking season, dude? Cooper DeGene's out. Cade McNamara is out. We're playing with an offensive coordinator who knows he does not have his job there next year. Our two star tight ends, Eric All and Luke Lachey, are out. Like, no one, like, yes, we're going to do bad. I didn't, I mean, I had higher hopes for this game than that, but still, like, I knew there was a good chance we weren't winning this game. Half of the main starters, the whole thing that makes Iowa, Iowa, i.e. their tight ends, are on the sideline, hurt. Like, that's fair. You're overreacting a little bit, I think, to losing to Tennessee in a bowl game. I just, I'm, I don't know. I'm just negative on Iowa right now. I don't know what to say. Sure. <laughs> That's like, all I'm saying. It, yeah, I've been saying it all season too. Like, it's awesome. We won 10 games, but we have the worst offense in college. But, like, nothing is surprising right now. We've been talking about Iowa going down off this cliff, cliff for a hot minute now. Like, Tennessee didn't change anything. It just happened. <laughs> For sure. 
But yeah, so I don't know. I don't got much to talk about Iowa. I just I'm pretty devastated, but I don't know. Yeah, it, it was a rough game to watch. I I did keep it on the entire time. I didn't turn it off like you did, but I did. I was doing some other stuff on my laptop, and I definitely wasn't really paying attention. Uh, kind of around when you said somewhere around halftime or somewhere around where it turned to that twenty-one to zero. I I kind of stopped paying attention to so, but um, anyway, let's get into some better bowl games. I don't want to recap like all of the Big Ten and stuff that happened, but Big Ten standings officially we were five and four in bowl games. That's actually tied with the SEC. I know we were doing a whole big SEC comparison last week, so I'll keep on rolling with that. But that actually ties SEC for bowl game wins, five and four. But of the head-to-head matchups, the SEC did go four and two against the Big Ten in bowls. So, which is yeah, I mean, which one is the superior conference? If you gotta think, I mean, it's right the now. SEC. I don't think I necessarily made the argument that the SEC was not the better conference. My only thing is when people talk about the conferences is the way they lump the Big Ten in with like the Big 12 or the Pac-12 or the ACC. Like I'm SEC is at the top. The SEC is a very strong conference and they deserve their credit to be at the top right there. But all I'm saying is a step below that is the Big Ten. And then you notch off a step or two below that. And that's where the other conferences lie. I think that's the argument that makes me the most frustrated with that. So, and I totally get where you're coming from, where like you agree SEC is up here, Big Ten's probably right here, and then you got the ACC right below them. Probably not even the ACC anymore, probably the Big 12. Let's be honest with like everything that happened with Florida State, them getting rolled by Georgia 63 to 3. So, yeah, a little bit of asking. You have to put a little bit of asterisk on that one, though, too, just because, you know, um, I saw I tried looking it up real quick. Florida State had a ton of NFL opt outs. Yeah. Georgia didn't really have that many. So, like, sure. Yeah. Georgia did roll them. They probably win either way. But at the same time, I think Florida State was already defeated. You know, like, right. Half the everybody opted out. The ones who did stay, I don't think were the most amped up to play in that game. I think they were a little disheartened still from everything that happened. So I don't think they gave their best performances that they could have. So I I do really heavily look at that Georgia-Florida State game with a little bit of an asterisk. For sure, which I mean, but if you compare the SEC right now to the Big Ten, the crazy part is, like, overall, the SEC might be better, just like quality teams. But looking at the 2024 conferences – there's two Big Ten teams in the national championship. Yes, which, and so that's a good fact to make too with how I said the SEC and the Big Ten are tied five and four with bowl games. Mm-hmm. If you include, I don't know, for or the only one I'm including for the SEC is Texas. Um, I know Oklahoma's joining them too, right? Yeah. Did they win up their bowl? I don't, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, look, so, but... For the Big Ten, you're correct. You have Oregon, who dominated Liberty, like absolutely dominated. Then you have Washington, who beat Texas, a future SEC school. So that actually changes that four to two in that purpose to five and three. No, five and two. Yeah, five and two at the head-to-head matchup. And then you have 
Um, what was the other one I'm missing there? Michigan, Michigan beating Alabama. So right there, you add three wins so that the Big Ten actually went, what did I say, five and four? They went, so they went eight and four right. in bowls, if you include the future conference. And the SEC would have gone, did Oklahoma win that? Oklahoma lost to Arizona at 30. Okay, so there you go. So yeah, so then the SEC went five and six. Yeah. So the Big Ten, when you add their three, go eight and four. The SEC, when you add their two, went five and six. That's fair. Yeah, and you're right. So, I mean, maybe 2023 we're looking at, yeah, SEC is still the superior conference. But if you're looking at the grand scheme of things and you're looking at uh, 2024 also, you're starting to look. Maybe the Big Ten are starting to overtake that. And it shows with this next matchup. Michigan. Well, and hold up with the next matchup and stuff, but – or, I mean, I guess, yeah, we can kind of get into it a little bit, but I was just going to say, kind of alluding to both of these games, that some of the argument when you talk about superior conferences, sure, we can talk about bowl games, but we've talked about bowl games not mattering and stuff, right? Yeah. Like, oh, who can't? Like, there are opt-outs, it's wonky, all, you can't truly take them to heart. Well, the one thing that people have always pointed to as the ultimate factor is the college football playoffs, yeah. like the true college football champions. I don't think you can judge a whole conference just based on who wins the college football playoff or the college football championship. Cause like that's one team. Sure. What's the best team in the country, whatever conference they're in, you're going to automatically call the best conference. I don't like that argument, but that's some people argument. And if that's the one that you want to make, let's look at these two games right here, Michigan versus Alabama, big 10 versus sec. Michigan won it 27 to 20. Yeah. In overtime. Which I, so I watched the first two quarters of this game. Um, one, it looked at like one thing, Alabama got outcoached. Nick Saban got outcoached by Jim Harbaugh, which is crazy because is this a changing of the guard, especially if Jim Harbaugh stays in college football? Is Jim Harbaugh now officially the best coach in college football right now? Because you think about it, Nick Saban has been the long-tenured best coach in college football for the last, what, 15 years? And the way that Michigan kind of polarized them in the second half just, like, kind of, like, decides everything. I know it was, like, but it was the front. It, it was the front seven on both sides. Offensive line and the defensive line for Michigan just overpowered Alabama. And it was insane to watch. Jalen Milrow kind of turned a little bit into a pumpkin, especially with that fumble at the end of the game. But that was also play calling. Uh, Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator, definitely did not make a great play uh, play call on that. But at the end of the day, the Michigan Wolverines did win 27-20. to 20. Well, and you want to talk about the coaching and play calling and whatnot. All of that is somewhat irrelevant to the effect of like this game went into overtime. I love how college does overtime. Like, Hey, start you in the red zone, fucking go score. Yeah. Um, I, I absolutely love it. I, I love that system. I kind of wish the NFL adopted it at least to a degree. Um, but ultimately Michigan, you know, they went and they scored strongly mm-hmm. Alabama on their fourth and goal opportunity ran the dumbest play call ever. just Milrow trying to run it somewhere up the middle just did not work. What's like, that is the call. Like you want to talk about like this game was lost by coaching. Yeah. You can point throughout the whole game if you want, but that was the call that Nick Saban ultimately handed Michigan the game on. Right. And at the end of the day, 
JJ McCarthy did not look great either, though. Like through that not really. whole game, he did not look great. We've seen we saw one good quarterback play in the playoffs, and that's going to be the next game we're going to talk about. But JJ did not look great. Jalen Milrow didn't look great. It was more of okay, whose defense is better in this game? And Michigan's defense outpowered Alabama's defense at the end of the day. And if there's the if there's one thing that the Big Ten knows, it's defense. Yes. Like, we can talk about Big Ten, SEC, all we want all day long, but the Big Ten knows fucking defense. Yeah. Michigan, Iowa, even Wisconsin. Penn State. Like, defense is just our thing. Yeah, and this game showed it. Like, defense wins championships. We'll see. But, yeah, no, I was kind of disappointed because I had this take with Alabama all year. Like, ever since they, like, barely pulled it out, earlier in the year i was like okay you know alabama is gonna roll the table run the run the table they're gonna win it they're gonna be in the national championship story over well it didn't work out that way michigan got the best of them but this next game is very crucial washington this next game is also um like we're talking about the 2024 conference versus the 2023 conferences so washington versus texas future big 10 versus future SEC. Don't forget about that argument that all that matters are the college football playoffs about who, which is the better conference. And in this matchup, Washington, future Big Ten, won it 37 to 31. Um, no overtime in this one, but Washington looked good. Yeah. I, I'm almost a little surprised. I know Washington is good, but I I thought Texas was uh stood a little bit of a better chance. I mean, they fought back, but they were down a little, they were down a lot yeah. by the end, honestly. They, they kind of caught up. Yeah. Yeah. They had to chase to catch up. And that, in fact, they still almost won this game. Would they have been able to recover an onside kick? But they got down a lot more than I kind of expected middle of the game. For sure. Well, and that, yeah, you're exactly right. So we talked about quarterback play in the Michigan-Alabama game. One guy that played out of his mind was Michael Penix Jr. Michael Penix showed everybody that doesn't actually watch college football, hey, I should have been the Heisman candidate. I should have been the Heisman winner because this dude threw for 400 yards, dude. He threw for 400 Crazy. yards, and every ball he threw was right on the money. Um, to be honest, and we'll get into this probably later on with draft talk later on like this year, but if Michael Penix would not have torn his ACL three times at Indiana, we're probably talking about the number one draft pick because he had a year like Joe Burrow, especially if he goes out and he wins the national championship next week. Like, he had a similar-esque year as to what Joe Burrow did at LSU. Like, he balled out. He, I think this was the first time since Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech that a quarterback has thrown over 4,500 yards in consecutive seasons, which is insane. Michael Penix probably throws the prettiest deep ball in all of college football. He, that man is a stud. He can put anything on the money. I think he's better than Caleb Williams, even with the injuries. He is a baller, like straight up baller. He's a lefty, which throws a lot of people off because he's a lefty. But that's more important than you think. Like being a left, like defenses practice against scout teams and shit, right? right? All the time. And defenses are so used to going against right-handed quarterbacks. And you don't think that hard about it or that much about it, but that makes a huge, huge difference. It does. Uh, we played, we played a lefty quarterback 
um, in one of our games. I forget which game it was, but for our scout team, we actually ended up finding just another player on the team who was left-handed. I think he played a little bit of quarterback in high school and stuff, but like we found just a left-handed guy to like run the scouts on that offensive call just because he was left-handed and he would give us a better look from that pure like dominant standpoint. For sure. Yeah, and like he dominated like dominated Texas's defense, which I was kind of shocked because Texas, they are a great program. They built from the ground up. Steve Sarkeesian had a great year. And one player that didn't have that great of a year or great of a game was Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers struggled mightily, especially in the first three quarters. Kind of picked it up at the in the fourth quarter, but he struggled mightily throughout that game. Um, Texas like you said, they almost came back. That was the wildest last two minutes of a game I have seen in a long time. So a little bit about that, right? Washington, they kick the field goal. They go up, what, 34 to 28 at the time, I think. I think they went up 34 to 28. Or no, 37 to 28. Yeah, 37 to 28. Yeah, that was their final score. Yeah, uh, nine-point game. And Texas gets the ball back. Um and they go down, they kick a field goal, they couldn't punch it in the end zone, they bring it to 37-31, which ended up being the final score of the game. And then the clock management by Washington's head coach, DeVore, struggled, struggled because, one, he ran two passing plays, which stopped the clock, and there was only 49 seconds left uh, Forty-nine seconds left in the game, ran two passing plays, stopped the clock, and then they ran the ball on third down to run out the clock, and their running back got hurt, which caused an injury timeout, which caused – Yeah, that, to that was the big one. Yeah. That was the big one when their running back goes down because that has more implications too than just on this game. I, I completely forgot about that actually. Um, yeah, one, that stopped the clock and gave them a good extra – 35 seconds or so whatever they could run off there's like 33 i think that they could have run off without that um and is he back is he gonna play in the championship so game he's like he's questionable right now um which is kind of scary to think about but at the end of the day one of the plays that really hurt washington in this last two minutes was they were punting the ball away back to texas and washington's long snapper ran into the punt returner, ran into the punt returner and caused another 15-yard penalty, which brought the ball up to the 40-yard line. And Texas only had to drive 60 yards for the go-ahead touchdown with one timeout. And one of the prettiest balls thrown all night, not even by Michael Penix, but by Quinn Ewers, he got it all the way down to the 30-yard line. And they drove down to about, what, the 12-yard line? And then Quinn Ewers kind of fell out of it. He couldn't complete it. Washington wins the game. But they, Washington was on their heels for a short bit there. I thought they might have lost that game, especially after the long snapper. Oh, yeah. I was like, and maybe that's just the Bear fan in me knowing how to lose games. Um, but I was nervous for Texas I was, I, or Washington. It, it came down really, really – I was nervous for them too, even though like – an ever so slight part of me was rooting for Texas. Um, I was getting very nervous for Washington because that, yeah, it, they, Texas absolutely almost came all the way back and you got to think there was another injury too. I think like there was another player on top of the running back that went down with injury who also got a little banged up or something. I forget if it was a, 
it was a DB, I think oh, yeah. maybe on one of the fades Texas ran. Yep. But just injuries like that that are right at the tail end of this game that are kind of like, you're about to go play number one Michigan after this, and you, you just banged up a couple of your guys good. Yep. So, like, that's got to be nerve-wracking for Washington. Yeah, and so Washington won, and now we have a – 2024 all big 10 national championship which is really cool to see i mean we've seen an all sec championship before with georgia and alabama but we've not seen an all big 10 and i guess you can't really say because washington played in the pac-12 this year but you can in a way um to be honest the way michigan played against alabama and the way washington played against texas i think washington's favorites to win the national championship I, I feel that too. Aside from the fact that we just said their running back could potentially be here, even if he does play, he just got banged up. Like, I doubt he's as effective or going to be truly, truly 100% after going down like that and being marked as questionable and all that stuff. But um, so they might be at a slight disadvantage with that. But definitely, as far as just, I mean, scoring and competition and stuff goes, uh, yeah, Washington looked good. Washington had a much more dominating performance, even though it was still close, even though this game was still nearly given up to Texas, Washington overall just looked better. They looked good. Yeah. And they're going to give Michigan some real worries. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I think Washington honestly might, might take this one. I kind of want that too. I apart, like, like you said, Michigan with the whole scandal stuff and just, the bad taste in our mouths from beating Iowa in the Big Ten Championship. I honestly would love to see Washington win it all. Aside from the fact that, like you said, they're coming into the Big Ten, but technically they are the Pac-12 right now, so we couldn't truly, truly claim the national title in the Big Ten. So that part does put me a little bit on the fence about it because I would love to say that the Big Ten won the national championship. Yeah, I, you know, and I do too, but I really like Michael Penix. Michael Penix is a beast, and I would love to see him go out on top for a national championship. But we have a very unique national championship. So Michigan hasn't won a national championship since 1997. So as old as us, 26, 26 years. Meanwhile, Washington hasn't won a national championship since 1991. So we're looking at two teams that haven't won since the 90s. And to be honest, I want Washington go kick that shit out of Michigan. One, because for some reason, if Iowa can win next year against uh, Washington, we just beat the previous national champions. But at the same time, flip side of what we were talking about prior is, fuck, we got to play the national champions next year. That's scary to think yeah. about. So, I mean, but at the end of the day, I really think Washington is a fun program to root for. They're one of those teams that haven't really been there lately. I mean, the last time I think was 2014, and they lost to Alabama, like 30 to 0, and the uh, first round semifinals. So, like, I just, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm actually really rooting for Washington here, man. I feel you. I'd, I'd like to see Washington. That would be cool for them. And I support purple. <laughs> yeah. I, well, and I support blue. I mean, don't get me wrong. I support blue. But at the same time, I love Washington. I love the way they play. I love that 
how crazy would it be if a Pac-12 champion went out on their last year of existence, pretty much? And that, yes, that is the other storyline, honestly. Like the Pac-12 being absolutely decimated after this year, and yet this is the year that they go and they win the national championship. That that is actually kind of funny. Well, and it's not even the Pac-12 thing, team that you would have thought either. Like beginning no. of the year, you would have thought USC, Utah, maybe Oregon, right? Washington was an afterthought. Like you didn't think Washington. Like you're like oh, okay, like they're good. They're a top twenty-five team, but they're not a oh I'm gonna go win the national championship type team. They're not a top five team. And so to see Washington of all four of those Pac-12 teams that are leaving the conference, that's awesome to see. And I'm hundred percent down for it. Michael Penix is a beast. Love the guy. I mean, in a weird way, I would love to see him in Chicago, even though we're big Fields guys, but. We talked about it. We went. I, we that's what I was just going to mention. That that's a part of the reason I want to see Washington win this is because I think it would just be all the more reason for someone not to take Caleb Williams. Yeah. And if we did for some reason want to use that first round pick, I would love to take uh, Penix Jr. Just like that. That is the much preferred move right there. For sure. But speaking of the Bears, we'll go ahead and get into our NFL right now. We're going to do a little Bear Central segment. Uh, Bears most rec- recently just played the Falcons. The Bears won it 37-17, to actually putting on one hell of a performance. Justin Fields looked great. Uh, DJ Moore looked great. Um, what are your thoughts on this game? Oh, man. Um, it was it was fun to watch. Like, 37-17, to kicking the shit out of the Atlanta Falcons, which they were a 7-8 team, and we were 6-9 going into this game. Uh we held, we did, we handled everything we had to do on our side. Unfortunately, uh, the Bears' playoff chances, the Bears have been officially eliminated from the playoffs. We were eliminated by not the Rams Giants as we thought. There was a tie sequence that could have occurred with the Packers. We'll, we'll talk about that when we talk about the NFL okay. games that actually occurred sure. and we go through who won what. For sure. <laughs> but anyway, so like the way I looked at this game was. DJ Moore looked fantastic, 159 yards on seven receptions, right? Justin Fields is coming into his own. I think Justin Fields, this was his, hey, I'm your quarterback for the future moment in Chicago. And the fans were cheering, we want Fields, we want Fields. And I don't care what the national media thinks. I don't care if they think Ryan Poles is an idiot for not drafting Caleb Williams. Justin Fields over the last 17 games has looked like a potential MVP candidate. And that might say I'm crazy, but look at the stats. Like we've talked about it. The stats don't lie. And the bears are five and two in the last seven games. Like, yeah, Justin Fields is definitely turning it on right now. And I think a good chunk of that is also partially in due to the fact that he's, he stopped caring a little bit. Like you've always said, he was always kind of in his head. He's always an overstressor. He's a warrior. Well, the past few games, or this game at least, I know, I think he commented, he's just playing football. Like, he knows there's a chance he's uh, getting traded or getting moved around or the Bears might take care of. Like, he hears all this too. Yeah. It's not like he lives in under a rock and doesn't hear all the media talk. He hears it all. He knows it all. And he said he's just he's just trying to have fun. Yeah. He's just out trying. And look what happens. You know, like, this might be exactly what he needed to kind of get it through in his head, like, hey, I'm just out here kind of trying to have fun, trying to play football, and look at what you can do. 
if he rolls the Packers next week, I we'd be dumb not to keep him. I agree. I think I mean the Falcons might have been the game that hey I'm him, but it will be completely solidified if the Bears go out and beat Green Bay next week. Because not only that, it will keep Green Bay out of the playoffs, and that yep. will be fantastic. That would be awesome. But staying on with the Bears a little bit, we do have our Pro Bowl uh, selections and stuff now. The Pro Bowl rosters have been put together. Uh, two Bears players did end up making the Pro Bowl, both defensive guys. Uh, Montez Sweat, he is going to be a starter. And Jalen Johnson are two guys that are in the NFC Pro Bowl. Which I love. I mean, Jalen Johnson has played a hell of a, uh, hell of a season. And Montez Sweat, like, whose helmet is he going to wear? Like, is he going to wear a hybrid like Washington Commanders and hybrid Chicago Bears? Because he he leads both teams still in week 18 in sacks. He leads the Washington Commanders in sacks, and he leads the who Chicago does he have? Who does he have more with? He has more with the Washington Commanders. He has six and a half sacks with the Washington Commanders. He has six with the Chicago Bears. Um, okay. So if he gets one, yeah, if he gets one more, this upcoming week against Green Bay, then it'll be Chicago seven, uh, Green, uh, Washington six and a half, which would be cool to see. Um, Definitely. I, I think you got to go with Chicago though, because I'm sure it's like, it's based on your most recent team, right? Like it's got to be based on like you are in Chicago, you're a Chicago bear. And I mean, look at the way he changed our defense. Oh, just like look at what happened in Chicago the minute Sweat stepped onto the field. Because it's more about than just his sack numbers. Sure, yeah, he's got six sacks here and he has six and a half in Washington. But look at his quarterback pressures. Look at the way he's affected even our interception rate. Yeah, we have more interceptions in our last like three games or something or six games than we had all of last year. Uh, like it is just absolutely insane the difference that he has made. Um, I think he's got to wear a Bears helmet. You got to go out there in Chicago. Oh, I agree. I I do. I was just bringing it up to play devil's advocate. But the Chicago Bears lead the NFL in interceptions right now. Yeah. We have 21 interceptions in the NFL right now, and we lead it. Going into week six, we had three, and that's the week we got Montez Sweat. So we had 18 picks in the last second half of the year, which is incredible. That outpaces anybody. If we would have had that success, we would not be sitting at seven and nine right now. We would be a lot better than where we are. Um, one guy I want to highlight that did not make the Pro Bowl, uh, but another cornerback and a guy that's coming on strong. And I think he has a good shot at defense of rookie of the year. And Tyreek Stevenson, he is seventh in the league in interceptions right now. And dude's balling. And that just goes the Ryan Poles effect. You think that all this national media thinks that we should have drafted Bryce Young last year, right? Well, we traded him for DJ Moore. We got Darnell Wright. We got Tyreek Stevenson also with that pick. And now we have the potential to trade it again. Who thinks that we're not going to trade that pick? Ryan Poles knows what he's doing, and he knows how to hit on players. We talked about it before. Even Tyson Bajan, getting an undrafted guy that's a capable backup quarterback, he knows what quarterback talent looks like. He would not have started Justin Fields even after the 0-4 stretch if he didn't see potential in Justin Fields. One, another player that he hit on, Jaquan Brisker, has been playing out of his mind. Jack Sanborn, starter in the NFL after being an undrafted guy. Kyler Gordon is having a career year. Jalen Johnson, Tyreek Stevenson. Like these players are hitting. And then we've seen flashes from Tyler Scott. So you can't tell me Ryan Poles does not know what he's doing. And it came to fruition 
against the Atlanta Falcons. And it's came to fruition those past seven games. It's showing. Yeah. When we, when we got Montez sweat, it literally changed there. It absolutely invigorated, reinvigorated the defense. Yeah. Like, cause that is the sweat effect. Like all these players are still the same players. Like you only changed one guy truly. And like, sure. Quarterback pressures affect interception rate and you know, like he can stop runs and whatnot, but there's more to it than just that. There's more to it than just those numbers too, because you're talking about a defense that's dead in the water. They're down on themselves. They're Owen four. They don't really care. Like, you know, that like it's hard to go out and play when you're getting your asses kicked like that. Yeah. But we pick up Montez sweat. He goes in, becomes a leader. Matt Eberflus leads is starting to lead the defense and that defense just life came to him. Like they played with higher energy. They played harder and they enjoyed playing more than they did in the first half of the season. And that we're seeing the effect that that has right there. Like they're playing out of their minds right now. And so like, that is the sweat effect. Like he comes in and reinvigorates the entire defense and look at what can change in a whole team just by, you know, morale. Right. Yeah. And I know we've kind of talked about it. I know we have the number one rush defense and we have the number one intercepting defense. Um, But now we're officially at number 10 for, defense so we're officially a top 10 defense after we really were in the top like we were at the bottom of the list we were like 26 27 for the first five weeks of the nfl season granted those numbers are fluctuated with the kansas city chiefs 41 to 10 blowout i get that but at the end of the day we're sitting in the top 10 and so that's just impressive to see definitely that is awesome to see and just the way they've stepped it up is incredible but Uh, Moving on from that a little bit, let's go ahead and talk about, sorry, I'm checking a couple of stuff. We do not have the number one rushing defense. We have the number two rushing defense. Well, we did last week. We had the number one rushing defense last week, so we must have fallen a little bit, but that's fine. We still, we're still number two in the rushing defense. It's still solid. It is still absolutely solid. Um, Now we're also number two in interceptions too. Wait, how can that be? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's... No, we're number one in interceptions. Okay. Scratch that. We're number one in... I don't know what it had. Oh, it was it was ranking it by interception yards or something. Oh, weird. yeah. Not true pick. But yeah, no, we're one in interceptions. But anyway, um, speaking of the Pro Bowl a little bit, we're going to give a nod to our Iowa players as well. Iowa did have three players go to the Pro Bowl. We have George Kittle, figures, tight end. Sam Laporta, rookie tight end, who's been killing it in the what league so far for the Lions. That is like, I love to see that. That is awesome to see. And then also Tyler Linderbaum center for the Ravens. So that's cool to see just three Iowa players going into the pro bowl. Um, I think that's super awesome. We also have one Iowa state guy, but you can't guess who it is. Brock Purdy quarterback 49ers. He's also going to be there. So you're telling me it's not representing the state. No, not Brissol. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Um, Brock Purdy. Yeah, no. Um, did you see? Uh, I know we're going to talk a little bit. No, we aren't. Uh, so the 49ers, they played the Commanders. Uh, I know it's not on our list. But uh, Brock Purdy beat the franchise record for the San Francisco 49ers in passing yards ever, which is – you think of the quarterbacks that the 49ers have had. They literally had Joe Montana 
Steve Young. Yeah. Two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, and Brock Purdy is now number one on that list. Mr. Irrelevant himself. So his bad I absolutely love to see that. I just that is like the biggest underdog story I have ever seen in my life. I'm mean, Tom Brady. Kurt. Yeah. That I have seen in my life. Okay, that's fair. You didn't start watching. <laughs> you didn't start watching football like at four, like I did. Um, but no, yeah, I was gonna say Kurt Warner. He was undrafted. What are you talking about? But both Iowa, they both went to college. Both, both Iowa. Yeah. So yeah, but no, I absolutely love seeing it. I love that underdog story right there and whatnot. Um, I like Brock Purdy. I've always liked Brock Purdy. I like him a lot. I, I'm excited to see him go have fun in the Pro Bowl. He might not even make it to the Pro Bowl, to be honest, if you think about it. Neither could George Kittle because if the 49ers win the Super Bowl, those players do not go or go to the Super Bowl. Those players do not go to the Pro Bowl. That is true. Didn't think about that. Yeah. But that is true. So just just a possibility. But we know Montez. That means Linderbaum. That means, that means Linderbaum. Could, that means Iowa could potentially have zero players in the actual Pro Bowl. Because if the Ravens match up against the Lions, well, no, not zero, because then Kittle would be there. Never no, but Ravens versus 49ers. Oh, no. Oh. But then Sam Laporta would be okay, there. Okay, that's fair. So we'd at least have one. And you think TJ Hawkinson, he had a good year. He might make it as like a replacement filler. TJ could be in. So, I mean, there's True. there's a possibility. Tristan Wirfs could make it at left tackle. Like, there's still some great Iowa guys that have performed all year. That still could be replacement guys. So, who knows? Um, but, yeah, no, uh, mad props to those four players, man. Brock has had a hell of a year. I mean, yeah, he had that four-interception performance, but who doesn't have a bad game? Tom Brady has yeah. bad games. Aaron Rodgers has bad games. Like, Brock – Shake it off. He came out. He broke the franchise record. So, I mean, more props to him. Yeah, he's going to be just fine. Uh, I don't think anyone lost any faith in him whatsoever after that performance. They knew that he was still the guy and he was going to go and do great things. And he did. And speaking of that, we'll go ahead and get into our NFL recap here. First game, Cowboys versus Lions. I actually completely forgot this game was on entirely until our – chat started blowing up and I was like, Oh, there's a game on, but the Cowboys did win it 20 to 19 with a big, big asterisk by that victory. Yeah. I hated this game. Um, even though it goes to my uh, record for the week, I don't know if you calculated our records this week. I did. Okay, cool. Um, no, even though it went towards my record of me choosing the Cowboys, this sucked because the lions deserved to win that game. Um, so Cowboys, they went, they scored, it went 20 to 20 to 13, I believe. And then the lions had about a minute and 30 seconds left to drive down the field and tie up the game, which they did. They went down the field. They tied up the game. Jared Goff looked good in that last minute 30. I feel like for some reason, Jared Goff plays his best football with the last three minutes left of the game. Have you noticed that against the bears? against the Cowboys, against – Well, it, it's uh, now the Bears – every quarterback has had their best three minutes <laughs> at the end of the game against the Bears. So that, I don't know if fair. I would say that's a Lions trend or not. That's fair. But, yeah, no, Jared Goff looked good once again with the last, like, couple minutes left of the game. Drove him down. They scored a touchdown. And then that's when the controversy hit. Um, Taylor Decker 
reported to the referee or supposedly reported to the referee and dance which there is video of him walking up to the ref and everyone is like why would he just randomly go up to the ref when the rest of the o-line is back over there but but at the end of the day too dan skipper also walked up with him so the right tackle so like i could see maybe where a little bit of the confusion but as a ref you clarify that's your job to clarify. Wait, who's eligible here? I know you guys both walked up here. Who is the one actually eligible? Because they called Dan Skipper, number 70, eligible on this play. And they did not call Taylor Decker. Taylor Decker, newsflash, he ended up scoring the two-point conversion. The Lions should have won this game 21-20. to um, But there was a flag. And that flag was that Taylor Decker was not eligible receiver, that Dan Skipper was the one that was eligible, and the play got called back. One, I want to give a lot, 95% of the fault is on the ref, but there's 5% that's coaching. I mean, you have like a heartbreaking play that gets called back or like an awesome play that gets called back and you go back out and try to do it again. But that's also Dan Campbell's personality it's his persona he's a boss and i mean to some degree to some degree who's gonna cover that same play a second time true you know like they just ran it like you're saying like who would ever call it twice in a row well dan campbell (laughs) because who's who's gonna defend it two times in a row when they don't think anyone's gonna call it twice in a row (laughs) yeah and that's fair but at the same time they it lost them the game and i hate it because dan campbell was frustrated he was like ripping into reporters, not trying to be ripping into reporters, but he was angry after that game, which I don't, I don't blame him one bit because no, I don't, I don't blame him one bit yeah. because that is 100% the ref's fault. The ref should know and understand who is eligible, uh, who is reporting. And like this game was lost by the ref. Like when we talk about all this scripted controversy, like blah, 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 what, like, like these are the kind of things that just draw it into question big time. Like a player comes up to you to report is eligible and you just don't. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? And it just sucks because like the Lions deserve to win that game. Uh, granted, they got a consolation prize with Michigan moving to the national championship. All the Lion Michigan fans like, hey, you got a consolation prize. But at the same time, it does suck for the Lions fans because the Lions should be sitting at what, 12 and four at this time and not 11 and five, unfortunately. I mean, they're still going to be in the playoffs and they still have a good shot at the Super Bowl or but, anything. The only thing they gave up here is number one seeding. Yeah, which sucks. I mean, because the 49ers, I think they clinched it this week. Yeah. Yeah, they clinched it. So, yeah, they gave up the number one. But that's a bye week. That's important. That's very important in the NFL. And the Lions said they could be in a two legged race with the 49ers with week 18 on the line here. But. You're right. Like the only thing they really gave up was the number one, but that can be, that can come back to bite them in a butt. There's been a lot of controversy. I know we talked about is the NFL rigged. Um, There's a lot of controversy of that. The refs called it back because they want to see a Rams lions in the wild card, because now officially the three versus six is Matt Stafford going back to Detroit. I don't know if I buy it necessarily at the moment, but we need one more week. We need one. More we week. need one more week to see if that's truly going to happen. Um, but moving on from there, next game, next high-powered game that we had happen this weekend: Ravens versus Dolphins. Uh, once again, the Ravens went out and kind of dominated. Uh, they are looking good. They are looking really fucking good. 
they won it 56 to 19. So I don't know. I think Ra- they also clinched the number one seed with this game. And I would be very, very surprised at this point if the Ravens do not come out of the AFC as the AFC champions. Yeah, they're beating up on everybody. Like at the end of the day, like they beat up on the 49ers. Um, I think it's fair to say that the Dolphins are frauds. Um, I know they won the fraud bowl, but come on. Like you can't, you can't, you can't do that. You can't go out. If you're a, what were they? 11, four team. And they're fighting for the number one seed in the AFC. You don't go out and lose by 35 points. Like, I don't know if it was exactly 35, but like you don't go out and lose by that. So many points because it's just embarrassing at that point. One, the defense could not start stop Lamar. Lamar, Balled out. I mean, five touchdowns, 321 yards, and he's not a passing quarterback. I mean, I mean, he's he looked good, man. Um, I just don't understand. I don't understand how the Dolphins defense could give up that amount of points. It was in was it in my no, it was in Baltimore. But still, Tua looked rough. Yeah. This whole game, it was just not great by Miami. And I think they, they, they definitely did not put on one of their better performances at all. I don't know if I want to call them frauds per se, but I have seen they are what eight and two against less below 500 teams and like one in four or something like that. Those numbers don't add up. I don't think, but it's something to that effect that they are, they are very, very successful against under 500 teams and one in four or one in three or something against above 500 teams. Um, that one win being over the Cowboys, who, I don't know, they look good too. I think some teams just turn it on and turn it off. You know, everybody drops games that they don't mean to drop. But this maybe some, maybe the Raven. What? This was just a really shit game by Miami, though. Like, you don't play this. this no, yeah, it was bad. You don't play that type of shit game right before the playoffs. Like, if you are a true contender for the playoffs, you don't play that type of game. But I don't know. I just. Well, I mean,. Everybody drops games. It, yeah, this was a really, really bad one. But, I mean, they're going to be going. And we'll see what happens in that wild card round. Speaking of people dropping games, Eagles versus Cardinals. Um, this is huge to us as the Cardinals won 35-31 to 31 and actually secured the number one overall pick to the Bears in the draft this year. Yeah. Um, I don't know how the Cardinals did this. Uh, one... We're talking about frauds a lot with Miami, but I think the true frauds are actually in Philadelphia. Um, they started the year off 10 and one, dude, 10 and one. They started the year and now look at them. They're not even going to win the NFC East. Like they just lost to the three and 12 Cardinals, a team that Chicago just came out last week and smoked. So I, I mean, at the end of the day, the bears are better than the Eagles, right? Justin Fields is better than Jalen Hurt. No, I'm kidding. Um, but at the end of the day, like I think about it, um, Kyler Murray just played one hell of a performance. Um, Definitely. And the Eagles have uh, so many internal complications right now. Yeah. Uh, I was just seeing something that A.J. Brown is running his mouth in the locker room and stuff. And just as one of the veteran leaders on the team, when a guy like that is frustrated and pissed off and, you know, is acting that way. Like it affects the whole team. It and does. Yeah, I've, I was seeing, I was seeing just earlier today that that locker room is an absolute mess right now. Which 
they got to figure it out and they got to figure it out quick because they are going to end up playing in the wild card round because they lost the number one seed. They lost the probably the division, like unless Dallas goes out next week and loses, they lost the division. And this is scary for Philly. I think this is an early exit for him this year in the playoffs. Um, I think a lot of it to do is with Nick Sirianni. I mean, so mad credit to Jonathan Gannon, the Cardinals head coach. I mean, he was the defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles last year. He went to the link. He beat the Eagles. He beat his old team that he was the DC for. But you look at it and you look at the team last year, uh, Shane Steichen, is the Indianapolis Colts head coach. He was the offensive coordinator for the Eagles. You look at Jonathan Gannon, the defense coordinator for the Eagles last year. Like, Jonathan Gannon beat the Cowboys and the Eagles this year, the Cardinals. They beat the Giants also. Like, they beat everybody in the NFC East, and the Colts are playing with Gardner Minshew, and they're going to probably be in the playoffs. So, was it really like how we talk so much about coaching mattering and we talk about that from a head coach standpoint more than anything, but what we overlook a little bit is coordinators. The head camp coach can't do it all. Like we've said, the head coach mainly has two jobs, game manage and team culture, which honestly Seriani is failing at right now as the locker room is a mess apparently. Yeah. But still, coordinators make a huge, huge difference. They play a gigantic role in all of that. And the Eagles lost both of theirs. Both of theirs after one year. It's hard to recover from that. And as you can see, like, they're struggling from it. Not to mention, like, the Cardinals just beating the Eagles. Like, he was the coordinator there last year. Mm-hmm. He knows that, like, as far as a scouting report goes. Oh, he knows. Yeah. Forget about it. <laughs> like that was his team, you know? Like, so, I mean, those little things just kind of help out in moments like this and everything too. So don't overlook those kind of factors because they can be huge, especially at this level where players aren't as big of a deal. Right. Like when you're in college, coaches matter slightly less. When you're in high school, coaches don't matter at all. It's players. First, like it is like, it, it is 100% play. That's why recruiting is what ultimately wins yeah. in college football. You got to recruit. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what you're doing, like scheme wise or like play calling wise. It matters who you have on the field. True. But that's that's a side rant for another time. Next game we've got going on Giants versus Rams. This one was a super, super close game. The Rams actually barely pulled it off uh, 26 to 25. And in fact, I'm pretty sure they won off of a missed field goal by the Giants. Yeah, so uh, Mason Crosby, the Rams kicker, right? All right, so the Rams have four kickers on the IR this year. They were down to their fourth kicker, which is crazy. I mean, kickers get hurt. I get it. But four <laughs> on the IR? You're crazy. Like, that's nuts. You, you got to question, You got to question like, what you're doing in the weight room or yeah. something with those guys. Like, are they just walking around doing fuck all, or are they actually, like, doing something in there? Because, yeah, that, that's problematic right there. So, yeah, Mason Crosby's first game as the Los Angeles Rams, and it came down to – it was a 54-yard field goal, granted. Like, that's going to be hard. But it's in a dome. It's in a dome. And Tyrod Taylor broke off a 45-yard gain to get him in that field goal position to win the game. And unfortunately, the Giants did lose because Mason Crosby, a longtime Packer kicker, missed it. And that's what we thought 
was going to eliminate, according to your list, for the Chicago Bears. We were devastated. I know I uh, you texted me, and the bear, you're like, Bears are eliminated. I'm like, no, not yet. I mean, technically, but it was like a less than 1% chance from this next yeah. game. There, there was one small caveat of a chance that the Bears still technically had with this last Monday night game. Vikings versus Packers. With the Rams' loss... The caveat that we needed to happen was that this game needed to end in a tie. That did not. And no, that did not happen whatsoever. <laughs> Packers won it 33 to 10. Uh, Vikings, I, I, they're hot and they're cold. Well, <laughs> that's all I can say about them. Right now, they're just a mess. I think they're just cold because after the Bears with the Josh Dobbs game, they went from Nick Mullins. They started rookie Jaron Hall from BYU. He was Zach Wilson's replacement. Uh, They started uh, Jaron Hall this game, and he looked terrible. And I think they ended up – I don't know if they benched him. I think they benched him halfway through the game. But this game was just awful uh, for the Vikings. The Vikings are dead in the water. I mean, they still have a shot to make the playoffs, but I doubt they do. They they need to win this week, I think, to have a chance. And then I think – I don't even. They need, I don't even know if they do. Oh, they need the Bears to beat the Packers, and they need to win this week. That's what it is. Which that's what needs to the Lions. I would say if it was any other team, the Lions would be sitting starters. But knowing Dan Campbell, I don't think the Lions are going to sit starters, especially after what happened last week. After losing, after losing yeah. to the Cowboys like that, I would be doing everything I can to absolutely bury the fuck the out of the Vikings. So I agree. Um, yeah. But the beautiful thing is with the Packers win, they eliminated bears from the playoffs, right? The beautiful thing with this and true poetry is that the bears can eliminate the green Bay Packers from the playoffs with a win against the green Bay Packers. So yeah, Let's hope that we can come out and we can just fucking beat the Packers. We haven't beat them since 2018. And we will talk more about that in our next episode when we start doing our previews. But that is all we have time for today. Thank you guys for tuning in. Catch us in the next couple days, Friday, I believe. We'll do our preview episode. And then I'm going to be off to a national football convention. So (laughs) I got two words to say. Bear down. Bear down.